Caroline Whitman. I'm the Director of Communications and Care, and I am here with Pastor Johnny. Hello. How are you doing? Hello again, Caroline. Doing well. How are you? Doing well. We have a third person in this room, Jonathan Gorney. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm well. (laughs) Good. It's good to have you, man. Yes. And uh, I won't, you know, we'll kind of get into this in our conversation, but um, have a big transition coming up. A little bit. Glad to get you in before before you moved and uh, so anyways we'll get into that but it's good to have you here man thanks if people don't know already you and your family they may have seen you on stage this past Sunday or not a couple Sundays ago um, as you shared a little bit about your transition but um, what are can you share a little bit about like how old your kids are what circles you all run in in Calvary so maybe they know your face but not your name or something like that yeah circles we run in in Calvary is a funny (laughs) because there are Um, a lot right yeah so so Ethan, sorry, Carrie is my wife. Mm-hmm. She's a teacher's aide in the field school, so the first grade teacher's aide. Um, Ethan is our son. He is just graduated fifth grade, going into sixth grade. He's 11. Ava is eight, going to be nine. Emma is five, going to be six. So um, we swim in field school circles. We swim in, um, we've been here for 14 years. So it's just a lot of people that we've known for a while and have, um, I think we were, we were taking stock of our time in Calvary. It's like, we've been in three small groups, some official, some unofficial, you know, I mean, just Uh how it all got combined (laughs) together. But, um, and then from a, like just family standpoint or from a, from a, a ministry standpoint, have been involved with the missions team and being a part with Johnny before, and then with Manfred, um, since he came. So, and you worked in the actual building for a while, right? Your office was up. No, no, that was John Houghton's office was upstairs. No, okay. no, no. I would come in when I was in trouble, and he would. <laughs> <laughs> when he got called, yeah, in the I was going to say when I got I called in, it was like and trainings. They were doing trainings. Yeah, here, so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, 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 yeah. But I like I, I would avoid it if I, I could. I was picturing both of you, uh, you and Carrie, working at Calvary in different circles of like mm-hmm. tangential circles yeah. in Calvary. But that makes yeah, sense. but okay, okay. to be fair, okay, to be clear, so mm-hmm. so. John Houghton, yes. who was my former boss, okay. and Annie Houghton. Mm-hmm. John worked upstairs yes. on the third floor, and Annie worked here with the field school. Yes. Jonathan Gorney uh-huh. did not work here, but <laughs> Carrie worked here. So it's like, it, it's, yeah. To, There's like, some kind of connection. There. Yeah, 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 where we Thank end you. and where they begin is tough to tell these days. But yeah. yeah so. Well, it's good to have you, man. And we are um, in the middle of a series on called Good Work and just kind of interviewing people about what they do. Yep. Um, for a vocation, they're kind of Monday to Saturday kind of thing. And uh, so we're eager to hear from you. Um, as I said initially, and we'll talk more later after you give us a little more information, um, <laughs> is what's really interesting, I think, right now related to this vocation series is your significant transition. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people uh, in their jobs at some point have to wrestle with transitions. I know it's something... I wrestled with coming from, or even leaving Michigan to come back here for grad school. That's and right. And then That's right. leaving College Church to come to Calvary. 
And leaving Cap. No, I'm just joking. I'm yeah. leaving Calvary. <laughs> <laughs> leaving Calvary to move to Indianapolis. <laughs> it's like you a, heard it here first. This is actually really about yeah. me, and I'm letting everyone know live on the podcast. <laughs> We're pod. telling, no, telling no. breaking news right now. It's that like a good. game you play, Daddy. It's like, how can I make every conversation yes. actually yeah. about? Me? Well, there's yeah. I, I know someone that uh, used to often say like, well, now uh, now that you told me, or now that I've told you about me, what do you think about me? Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, um, but no, excited to hear. Uh, you know about that but first one of the first things we ask uh, each person is to kind of get into vocation um, there's so much fun to talk about people's childhoods yeah. so we have to start there right? sure. uh, so what did you want to be when you were Little and so, disclaimer: Johnny will yeah. psychoanalyze you. So share it. No, 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 that's okay. I've always wanted to be Johnny's assistant. So, um, okay. Truth be told, uh, for a long time, all the way through school, uh, I wanted to make movies. Oh wow! Okay. Yep, yep. What was like a movie that you saw that was yeah. like this is this oh, captured my imagination? You, well, okay. So my kids ask me this all the time. Like, what's your favorite movie? All these things. Um, the original Willy Wonka. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. I know. Super weird, that's right? That's so awesome. So second no, grade. that's cool. Second grade, Mrs. Bick. That was my second grade teacher. And I remember we would watch that movie. We, I, we probably watched it twice. But to me as a kid, it was like we watched it a thousand times, you know. Yes. And um, and there was, a, there was a lot about that movie. But the way that colors were used and lighting were used. Yes. It, like it was just this weird kind of like, whoa, something pops there. And it was made long before At the time, man, that the was a legit movie, early man. Was 90s cool. when I was in elementary school. Right. And so it was like, but I remember being to this day, like there's still these like moments of getting wrapped up in things that are larger than myself that I yeah. just love being in those moments. Yeah. And that's kind of what that experience was, right? Yeah. Like the whole world is kind of wrapped up in this kind of manic chocolate maker, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, and even his role, like oh, Gene Model's role, like the way that he kind of operates was just like magnetic. Like it just yes. drew you in. And so that was, um, I like, can totally remember feeling well, the same and so way. That, so then in high school, my high school had a video department and I did every class you could take in that. Oh, wow. And then when I went to school for my undergrad, I, my major was television and film. Oh, wow. So you really, yeah. you thought like a lot of times, maybe it's sometimes because it's like, professional sports and that's a small yeah. percentage of the world <laughs> that actually play. gets into that yeah, profession. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't, when you say like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Don't end up pursuing. That. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that you, well, you knew you felt it. You went after it. Yeah. It, the, the transcendent piece, like if you took it a deep, uh, one step layer, really what I wanted to do was tell stories. Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. I loved to tell stories yeah. and I still do. Like, you know yeah, this, yeah, we've yeah. sat together for a while, but it's, it's um, yeah. telling stories kind of orally is somebody said, what's, you know, what's your, it's your birthday and you can do whatever you want. It's like sit on the back porch and tell stories. That's what mm -hmm. we love to do. Mm -hmm. Like as a family, we do that and with friends. And so I thought I was going to tell stories for the rest of my life. Now the combination of audio and visual and like what that can do to your Heart. insides yeah. your heart your emotions your kind of psyche like, that's something palpable right like you can feel that and that's that's why i wanted to go into movies because i was so moved by moments that i would see on screen that i was like there's something about telling stories that move people that i wanted to be a part of yeah so yeah. what happened to your psyche when you watched that girl get sucked up into the tube during really no one? no that was augustus he was a boy oh um, okay, no 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 <laughs> that was like even that, even that was fun right like it was just like trying to figure out but i will say this My like psyche was traumatized. No, no no but like <laughs> movies once you study movies like movies are then ruined 
right? Because then you're just like, you're, you're analyzing them as you're viewing them. Uh -huh. So it's, I remember we had a professor uh, who would make us watch movies twice. So he's like, watch it the first time and don't think, yes. experience it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second time you watch it, analyze it, think about it. You know, what did you hear and how was the story told? So, um, yeah, it was. That's cool. Yeah, that's fun. You told, I mean, I, I can't, I feel like maybe we've talked about this before. I'm feeling like it's the first time, but then there's something telling me we've had this conversation because I feel like I've asked this question to you before. <laughs> that's what? why I'm, What I wanted to be okay. growing Have up? you told Josh Cater about this or no? No. Do you know his tattoo? No. Holy cow. Is it Willy Wonka? He has. Well, is Charlie and Charlie Fender? He has, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Willy Wonka. He has a huge Willy Wonka tattoo on his no calf. No way. Like full calf tattoo. I, well. Full calf tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> a Willy Wonka dude. I mean, I'm a fan, but not, maybe not that much. He, dude, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful tattoo. Yeah. Man. It really is. Like, well, that's sweet. You'll have to, I bet like, you could probably, he's known enough that you could probably Google it and someone has taken a picture of his calf okay. and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> put it on the internet. The right. So <laughs> if you ever want to check Josh it Cater out. known enough yeah, that somebody's Josh taking a picture. Josh Cater, Willy Wonka tattoo. That's a litmus test now. Could, yeah, how well how, are you known? Well, yeah. Is there a picture is of your calf somewhere online? If, if, if yeah. your tattoo is online and named. Yeah, that's a good point. Then you're famous. No, I never knew that about him, though. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> did you know that, that I, that, that's what I studied? I think well, you knew so that. So, this is weird. That's why, like, I was like, I feel like I've asked you that question before, but yeah. I don't remember talking about it. Yeah. So, I was like, maybe I've asked this before, but I, I don't know that we have talked about it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. When, as soon as you said that, it was an easy answer for me, because I remember, like, yeah. it was a long, for a long wow. time. That's what I thought I was going to do. Matter of fact, I had... Um, two friends who then went on to LA, three, sorry, three, that all from the same high school. There was four of us. We were kind of loosely connected, so we were a couple years spread apart, but all three of them are now in LA. Um, oh, wow. Working in, in the industry somewhere, not yeah. necessarily film, you know, some, some are editors. One is, you know, doing like, a, works for a company that does production, video production. So yeah. not necessarily, but one guy's still a grip on movies right now. So John wow. Cornelius, good guy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What kind of other movies do you feel like? So that was like a movie that made you. That was like an inflection point. Like I can well, remember I seeing like, that movie and being like. This movie makes me want to tell stories. Yeah. Yeah. Through this medium. Mm -hmm. What other movies then as you kind of grew in your, per or as you continued, I should say, in your pursuit of film production were like deeply impactful and why? Yeah, well, I think part of that ties to personal stories. So, like, any father figure in a movie mm. will produce some emotion from yeah, me, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And sure. um, not being close to my dad growing up, you know, until I was about 16, 17 years old mm. when I really became, like, a very active dad in my life. Um, so, like, any film that there's a prominent father figure who... Or, or even, I would say, coming of age or redemption stories, um, those, like, narratives get me. Mm. And Carrie knows it. Like, we'll be watching a movie and, you know, I just, you know <laughs> tears are welling up in my eyes. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so any, and then I'd say, secondly, um, movies where uh, the coming of age movies, where somebody becomes something that they otherwise wouldn't think could be true of themselves. And so um, watching, yeah, I think watching people become what they think they couldn't become or watching... Um, fathers play a key role in a kid's life. Like any kind of narrative like that is, 
get, gets at my heartstrings or gets at my emotions, yeah. you know? Um, but it's funny cause I'm like sitting here scratching my head of like favorite director is Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and none of his movies are like that. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. just quirky and they're yeah, yeah. fun. And, and, and maybe to what I was saying earlier, Caroline is like to some degree, maybe the reason I enjoy Wes Anderson movies is cause you can experience them and there's not a, it's not a huge thought, you know, yes. I mean, the, the way he tells stories is super interesting. It's just like but a fun ride. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so, and, um, now that my son is like kind of coming of that age where it's like, it's okay to show him some of these movies, you know? And so he's into it now. So yeah. what's your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Um, it's hard. I really like fantastic Mr. Fox, huh? which I just, there's a lot there, but, um, Ethan and I's first Wes Anderson movie together was Isle of Dogs. Oh. And we saw it in the theaters and that kind of kicked him to where he was like, I love this. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is fantastic. So we've watched uh. a bunch together, but the, like that one's meaningful, right? Cause, and again, combining other elements here, like me and my son, you know, taking yes. in this movie and, and kind of really enjoying it. So, um, but yeah, that Royal Tenenbaums, which was like early kind of, you know, one of the earlier films of his that was kind of like, oh, this is unique. And this is like, there's something here to the way he's telling these stories that are, yeah. um, he's just a unique storyteller. Symmetry so. is so oh, yeah, for enthralling. Sure. Well, on the shots and like how he shapes everything totally. and frames it. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Say that again. Moonrise Kingdom. I've seen. Okay. So Moonrise Kingdom, fantastic story. We saw it at Lake Theater when Carrie was like, eight and a half months pregnant with, okay. with Ava halfway through the movie. It is so hot in Lake Lake street <laughs> theater. And it's like, like abnormally hot. It was packed. There's a ton of people there, but it was like, and something's going wrong. And they literally stopped the film and said, everybody, <laughs> sorry, the air conditioning's broken. The theater will re will reimburse you, but we're going to exit back. everybody out of the theater. It was awful oh, so it's like oh. we've tried watching that movie multiple times carrie and but i have it's like like and triggered she's, yeah the, carrie has these like triggered moments of like i just you gotta turn that off I it's, it's, well, it's too hot it's like, <laughs> it's like february you know that's yeah that's funny no but there's there's a lot of good films so, um yeah but it, it, it is like i would say from a from a kind of a thematic standpoint those are things that i love and then um or those are things that i'm drawn to in movies um but any specific ones, no. I mean, it's like Man on Fire, yeah. Denzel. Pick something bad by Denzel. I, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like there's nothing bad. So um, yeah. Man on Fire was a, a great movie. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So you then majored in again, say that again? Television Col- and film. Television and film. Mm-hmm. And that's what you finished with? Yeah. Yeah, so my uh, telev- television and film with a minor in radio, I think. Because that's why, again, I thought I was going to tell stories. Yeah. Um, and then... But, but pretty quickly into being in college, I started volunteering with Young Life. Okay. And that was when I was kind of like, wait a minute, there's, there's a different way to tell a story and there's mm. a different story to tell. And, mm. um, and I don't just mean like proclaiming the gospel, but like retelling somebody's life story to them with the hope of the gospel is how I would somewhat quantify evangelism, right? Like, can I retell your story to you with Christ in the middle of it, of what that could look like? And... Um, so then I, I remember having this moment with, with Carrie where I was like, I don't think I'm going to pursue film. I mean, it was like midway through my junior year. It's like, I'm not changing majors at this yeah, point. Wow. I'll still kind of learn the art of storytelling through this medium, but um, I really want to hone my ability to tell stories with my mouth, you know? And so wow. that's what led to that change. 
Cool. And so maybe before you talk about how that transition happened from film major to employment at Young Life. Yeah. Maybe let's skip ahead and then you come back. Sure. So let's, what is your current title and what do you do for work? And then go back and bring us from that kind of like how you got into Young Life. And, yeah. and, but where, where you're currently at now, what's your current title and what, you, what responsibilities come with that title? And, uh, yeah. and then we'll work our way back to the present. Yeah, so as of December, so December 2020, height of the pandemic, I took a new <laughs> position with Young Life, um, new role as regional director. So I oversee the, it's called the Raceway region. So it's all of Indiana and Kentucky Young Life. So it's something like 80 staff spread out over the two states. Um, the, the what is your job in the midst of that? It's yeah. kind of like, I'm feeling it's a little elusive. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. six months in. I'm like still trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that uh, part of what a regional director does is create culture. Um, so it's creating the culture within the region. Um, I've outlined some core values that I want to be true of our staff and of our ministry and really then leading towards those values. Hmm. And so it's a leadership position. Young Life's an organization, right? So I'm in a senior leadership position within an organization. I think you could look at that as the same as, you know, any business or company or whatever. There's, there's hierarchy, there's leadership positions. And so um, regional director is one of the senior positions in Young Life and, um, I see it as a servant leadership position. It's caring well for our staff. Um, it's providing uh, support, kind of nuanced support, like tactical on the ground. People are working through some things. Let's work through these with you to enable and cap- enable you to really be on the ground with people. Um, but I keep coming back to this idea of culture, like that it's just, we need to have a culture within our region um, that allows people to fully be themselves, that allows us to pursue what God is calling us to pursue. And um, I had some people when I first started the position in December, asked me like, what's the plan? Like, I'm like, well, there's no plan. Like the plan is to create a culture where people are passionately pursuing the Lord and letting the Lord lead them in the midst of that towards, towards really good, healthy ministry. Um, not necessarily, um, uh, metric ministry, right? Like I think there's some ways to convince ourselves that what we're doing is like core ministry and, um, that if our, if our gaze or our goal is not to like be pursuing whatever the Holy Spirit's calling us to, then we get a little bit out of whack, right? Like, oh, I'm just trying to make sure our, our numbers look good. Well, yeah. is that what the Lord's calling us to do right now? You know, or is he calling us to think about this in a different way? So um, it's a little bit of it. Some of it is fundraising. Some of it is capital or, or, or um, this is what I would say is true about me is looking at different structures or systems in place within Young Life. And uh, I asked when I got hired, why, you know, why, why me? You know, it was a national search. It was a bunch of people. And I was the least passionate about pursuing this <laughs> job. Like I started every interview the same way. Like if you want somebody who really wants this job, it's not me. I'm yeah. just trying to be faithful to what I feel like the Lord's doing. And what was mentioned was this kind of systemic questioning that I brought with me from my time here in Chicago, where I would look at whether um, a systematic approach to ministry or financial structures of our ministry or the ways that um, Young Life struggled to become more diverse and just kind of challenging systems that existed in the midst of that to make it a more equitable experience, Mm -hmm. um, that our ministry would be more equitable across the board. So um, 
those are the things I'm excited about. Culture creating, yeah. challenging systems that are in place that would yeah. create more access to the gospel for black and brown communities, things like that. Um, yeah. From a day-to-day, it's connecting with staff, caring for them well, equipping them well. Yeah. Um, so That's cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, we'll probably get to more of questions around where you're presently at, but let's go back then and just talk about how you got into working with Young Life. Like, who are the people? What were the situations? And what was your first role? And, yeah, what kind of, like, you had a clear compelling passion for storytelling that's led you into pursue film. Um, what were kind of the clear turns? And, and maybe you've said some of it already, actually, but um, just to ask more specifically, what were the clear directions? What were the clear situations and people in your life to turn you toward young life instead of pursuing film as a career? Yeah, the, well, when I started volunteering with Young Life in Ohio with Carrie, we were both in, I was in, we were both in college, um, and we were volunteer leaders at a inner city high school in Toledo. And what was true about the high school is it was f- full of like amazing, just amazing people who, if you weren't in that school and the reputation that that school carried was not reputable, right? Like it wasn't a school that you'd want to be around. There wasn't like a reason that a lot of people would go to that school. But because Carrie and I were Young Life leaders there, we got to like be front row seat to um, overlooked people and to come alongside them and engage with them in ways that was pretty uh, unique relationally, right? The core to who Young Life is, we start with relationships and building relationships with people. Um, So I was a volunteer football coach. This is funny. The school had... um, Three paid positions, three paid coaching positions per sport. So a freshman, a JV, and a varsity coach got paid. Everybody else was volunteer because that just, yeah. the, the resources weren't there. So um, I was a volunteer football coach. <laughs> Carrie was a volunteer cheerleading coach. And we would drive from our campus up about 40 minutes to the high school. And we would work with kids literally every day. And mm-hmm. um, the more I got immersed with those kids, the more I realized that like they, I'm not trying to be cliche in this. I actually did feel this. It was like, they need a different story. Mm. Like the story that's been told to them of who they are and where they're from. And the story that they believe about themselves was not the right story. I was like, you guys are so incredible and you don't even see it, you know? And so to some degree it was, it was like helping kids discover kind of who they are, but like self-discovery only leads you so far, right? Like they can, they, that's not ultimately going to solve anything, but then like who God made them to be and kind mm. of the active part yeah. in their community. And then, the, and then like seeing things like the step team or whatever it would be like, that that is like how God created you to then live out this beautiful expression of your uniqueness, right? All of that um, pulled on me way more than editing. I loved editing but editing a film felt very sterile, right? Like it felt just kind of, you know, you could control all the elements, but when you were with a human being and in relationship with people and you were able to kind of like see they, them become something more um, and kind of who all God called them to be, that was the thing that was like, oh, this is better. Yeah, this is yeah. better than Willy Wonka and Miss Dick's class. <laughs> like, this is it, right? Like this is, there's something here that, um, and then it came, it came to like, unique gift sets, right? Like, I think yeah. I could tell a story with a camera for sure. So did you tattoo any of these no, students nothing, on your calf? Nothing, nothing. Yeah. I could tell so you. Not, like, not quite as good as William. No, no, no. no not, <laughs> I think Josh I mean, has a couple of their names tattooed somewhere. Um, <laughs> Probably no, a lot. No, but I would say, though, the, like, the, 
it was watching Christ come into those kids' lives and seeing who they became. That it was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what I was made yeah, to be. Yeah. This is what I was created to do here. Um, and so, yeah, it was somewhere midway through my junior year that I w- it was pretty clear, like, this is, this is where I want to go. And so by that time, Carrie was working full-time for Young Life. I started interning for Young Life in a part-time role. And then when I graduated, so <laughs> this is the... At this high school stuff. At this high school, yeah. Our, our change of circumstances in life, we tend to do everything at once, which is not... We didn't intentionally do that. It just happened. Uh, I graduated college, accepted the job out here at Riverside Brookfield, um, graduated high school, and got married all within four weeks. Graduated. Oh I'm sorry, graduated college. college. Graduated college. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. graduated high school. Nope, that didn't like, work. That I think didn't I work. Got the storyline wrong. Let's yeah. go back. No. Let's go back and return. We have us. more I think questions. I something. Maybe cut the tape. Uh, <laughs> graduated, got married, accepted the job, and what was it worth? And moved out here. Crazy. All within wow. four weeks. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So all of that happened at once, and um, really, that was when like the 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 vocational ministry took off. Then in mm. my life, right, and. Um, so we, we started at Riverside Brookfield High School. It was a brand new startup. So yeah, as I say, there was nothing existing. Nothing no was going there. Yep. There was just a group. Matter of fact, there was a group of families from Calvary that brought it to Riverside yes. Brookfield. Right, right, right. And they wanted to see a ministry uh, engaged with a public high school. And um, for a number of reasons, RB was exactly what I was looking for. It was, a, it was mm. diverse enough. It was, um, there was kids. I mean, the spectrum of students at Riverside Brookfield that still exists now. Um, both economically and racially and kind of the divide that first Avenue and Harlem Avenue kind of creates within those kind of near Western suburbs, really, really fun to kind of engage in that and, and, and speak into that. So, um, yeah, we got, we got going on that for, and we were there for about 10 years. So hyper-focused at one high school for 10 years, um, about four years into it, we had Ethan, and then shortly after that, we had Ava, and then Carrie stopped. So Carrie and I were both working at RB. Um, and then once Ethan was maybe one, Carrie stopped working. It was somewhere around there, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And so then um, I continued there for about six years, just doing hyper-focused, one community, and really through that time realized that God had gifted me in other ways, partially telling the story of what Young Life is doing, but then partially inviting people in to, to be engaged with it more. So working with adults then and working with finances and working with kind of structural organizational leadership things, which wasn't on my radar. You know what I mean? Like that was like, I kind of fell backwards into that as it started to grow. It was like, oh, we need to manage this better. We need to, you know, put this together more. And so, um, and that was, I mean, you've seen, you had a front row seat to that, Johnny, because mm-hmm. we knew each other. It's yeah. 11 years we've known each yeah. other now. So you saw that from kind of the very beginning yeah. um, and saw that kind of grow and become bigger and bigger and then knew that, honestly, knew that it would be better if I got out of the way of that. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, after 10 years, I stepped aside to um, pursue something else with Young Life. And then Chesley, at the time, Chesley Rogers, now Chesley Jarrett, um, Shout out to Chesley. Chesley, yep. Chesley and Peter. Group, my yep, small group. That's right. <laughs> and, um, but then she, so we hired her about seven years in. And then after three years of working together, she then became the area director and I yeah. transitioned into a regional role. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks for kind of going back and telling that. Yeah. It's all super helpful to hear. Helpful backstory. Yeah. 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 Um, so, 10 years in a specific role that is very relationally driven yeah 
um, had to be a hard transition just from that to your previous role because mm-hmm. uh, the RB is two roles ago. Correct. So I was at Riverside Brookfield for 10 years yep. and then transitioned to become what's called the Associate Regional Director. Associate Regional Director. Yep. And so that was um, helping do development of new areas for Young Life and then supervision of current staff. So, yes. so a smaller version of what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And so that had to be a hard transition, but you still were able to keep like um, still formal supervision over RB, right? Correct. Yep. So, so then st- I, so I so oversaw still, Chesley. Yeah. Yep. So you're still invested in it, even mm-hmm. though in not the way Chesley is now and not the way you were. Correct. Um, so now you have, you know, you're moving out of state um, with a much broader leadership demand. Yeah. Uh, and so part of the reason why um, I think we were, rec- or to Caroline was recommended, hey, with Jonathan moving, it'd be great to get him on the podcast. And in my f- initial thought, like right away, was like, not just like, oh, let's talk to him, that'd be great because he's leaving, but like, we're in this vocation series and he's in a major transition. And I think transitions are significantly difficult abroad, across all professions yeah. and vocations. You're actually the first um, kind of vocational ministry role we've interviewed as far as what you do with your job, your right. job, your vocation. As I said earlier, we, we interviewed Laurie, who is, you know, a middle school a teacher in a Christian school. Um, so works in a Christian context, but I think a little different than, than what you're doing. So, um, so anyway, so there's two things new here in a sense, like the, the like I'm called to full-time ministry, like identity. Yep. Um, and then the like huge transition to taking on, like in a sense, growing as an individual in your job in a way that you're given now this like, we say the best language we have is promotion, <laughs> but right. given this like promotion and, and so to like, step into that and leave something behind that involves families changing of life. And so just this word transition, right? I think so many people go through that. And I think Calvary is a church of shepherding people through vocational transitions. We, I mean, I could... Probably. I was just about to say, you know how many people I can list that yeah, no longer? I mean, just yeah. within the last three years, let's yeah. say, yeah. 20 easily yeah. people that have left Calvary simply because of a job transfer That's or right. a job change. or I mean, easily 20 people, honestly. And so I've, I said this before we started the press the live button, uh, but Gerald has often said, like, if we don't lose numbers in our church, we're actually growing or at least gaining new people. That's right. Um, because of such of the transient nature of Oak Park and, um, uh, or, or I should say young professionals in Oak Park is maybe the yeah, yeah, way, the transient right, nature right. of young. Because yep. in some ways Oak Park is a very like old community at the same time too. Um, so I just would love to hear from you just... Um, yeah, like what was in your mind in the transitions? What were the things that made you, you know, you think of the like old school, like positive negatives. Yeah, right? well, we made like, a lot of those lists. Yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> what right, were the things it. on the negative? What were the things on the positive? And then what like were some like 
semi-definitive things that yeah. were like, you know, stakes in the ground that you're like, God's moving us. Real quick, a detail that's sticking out to me is that you moved here since graduating from college. So your entire married life, your entire... My, adult, my entire adult life. Yeah, that's, life. Here. that's good. It's yep. here with your community. And some of that is like you're forecasting what a transition will be like, but you're on the cusp of it. And so it's almost right. like we want to hear... We yeah, want to hear a couple months later, yeah, too. No, our whole life is. is falling apart. I get... No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, okay. I'll add to that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point of like you have these like seasons in life, right? Yes. And you have your like grammar formational seasons you have your go through puberty seasons yep. you have your like growing Young up adult. into high school adolescence like, and almost growing like in a sense yeah. high school and college are similar in so yeah. many yeah. ways um but then you have your like i'm starting my life whether single or married into this location um because i've you know thought about even for our and then how kids if you have kids in that situation that's right, that's right. how that affects it because i would say like um, so much for us is our kids have only been through the Oak Park schools. So for us to even move to the next neighborhood, we might as well do what you're doing yeah. and move out We've of We've talked about that. You and I have talked because about that. Because it would be yes. such an upheaval yes. for them yes. to leave their schools. That's right. That it's like we might as well move to Wisconsin or Colorado or mm -hmm. whatever and just anywhere. totally, you know, right? And so it's like, that and then it's even been crazy for me to think like and then you're probably like maybe you can like taste some of this a little bit now even with young children is like i'm realizing now with my kids at 16 like well now noah's almost in high school two high schoolers almost yeah. and a middle schooler like i have made i think an unconscious decision that like i've like rooted my kids in one neighborhood their whole childhood that's right and that's like that's not bad. That's not good. It's just, it is. I'm like, yeah. It <laughs> is. So I did that to my kids. I That's think, right. I think we're happy with that, you know, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a big deal yep. to yeah. change those things. Christine moved. You stayed in the kind of same town you grew up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. Like, yeah. until I got married, I never moved. Yep. That's right. Um, but Christine moved at some pretty meaningful points in life. You know, middle school, high school. And that's yeah. formational in its own way, too. Oh, yes. I, yeah. So we've asked you about 50 questions. Yes. Do you want to take a couple and go? <laughs> yep. So go. <laughs> uh-huh. So from the beginning. No. Um, worth noting, this wasn't the first time I've been approached about doing a job like this. Yep. Yep. And so um, we were approached a year and a half ago about transitioning out of Chicago to go pursue a different job. Um been pursued by other companies to start other jobs and none of them have um appealing is the wrong word because the job that i'm currently in it wasn't that it was an appealing thing um but the idea of transition the the preemptive to the transition for carrie and i was stewardship mm. and are we stewarding well what god has given us mm. and so when i came out of seminary the last class, I've told the story a few times, the last class that I took, <laughs> the actual title of it was Callings. That's what it was called. The name of the class was called Callings. And um, you were given a spiritual coach and um, it was to help you discern God's call on your life. Hmm. This is weird. It's Fuller. Fuller's a weird school, right? Like it's the West Coast. Uh, you, I know. Thank you for the smirk. <laughs> Anyhow. I was struggling uh -huh. like having someone uh -huh. navigate that with yeah, me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But that's a personality thing. That's not a theological no, thing. No, I got you. I got you. But yeah. um, 
so I take the class and coming out of it, you have kind of a, a life statement, you have a missional statement, you have sentences, paragraph, whatever. Right? Yeah. And coming out of it, the sentence that I had was that God's call on my life was to create access to the gospel. I'm sorry, to utilize my God-given gifts, privileges, and experiences to create access to the gospel where otherwise it wouldn't exist. Mm. And so we live in the culture we live in. And I was raised with privileges and, and I've been, I would even say privileged to experience a bunch of things that, um, has broadened my view of humanity. Mm. Um, and all of my work with young life has been in multi-ethnic settings. However, young life historically is white suburban. Mm. Okay. So now my God given gifts, talents, I'm sorry, uh, gifts, experiences, and privileges. How do I steward those well? Um, and how do I learn from the things that I've kind of been experienced in to create access to the gospel where otherwise it may not exist? And so with that as the backdrop, this idea of stewarding well what God has given us and given privileges and experiences, um, really then it just became a matter of how do we do that, right? And um, we were doing that in a hyper-focused geography at Riverside Brookfield High School. But then as my gifts grew, they, um, what was required to run Riverside Brookfield was no longer the gifts that I was best given. Mm. It was the gifts that Chesley has, and, and RB mm. is thriving underneath her mm. leadership. That's what it needed at that point. Mm. Early on, it needed what I had. Mm -hmm. Now it needs what she has. Mm. Okay, now there's other things that, um, as my gifts have grown, now there's different things, right? And so um, the preemptive to this whole conversation was Carrie and I wanting to steward well what God has given us. Um, we, like you, were ready to cement our kids in one community. And um, Carrie and I were born and raised in, like she never moved once. I never moved once. Our parents still live in those houses. Uh, I think that's a generational thing. I, I do think there is some extent that that's true, but- um, Blue collar- generational thing for sure yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. sure and we as a matter of fact that was one of the conversations with my mom was not in like a mean way but she was like why would you ever move because to her conceptually you're you're abandoning your community mm. you don't abandon your community you stay there and that's what my mom has done really well is she she doesn't abandon things she stays with mm. them yeah, and um so to her, there was, this was kind of like a weird, when I first called her and told her that we were thinking about this, she was like, what are you thinking? You know, she's like, <laughs> she literally was like, what about Brian? What about, you know, friends of ours that we have? And, um, you know, and it was like, no, my, it, I have a different kind of compass right now in my life. And it's this call to fully utilize and steward well what God's given us. And so, um, this wasn't the first time we were approached about a position like this, and which is why when we were approached, we kind of laughed it off. We we're like, nope, no thank you. We've been here. We kind of want to stay put in Chicago. This is really comfortable. Um, we, I don't think I used the language, this is really comfortable, but I was challenged. I wasn't bored. I was firing on all cylinders. I could look at the work that I was doing and be proud of it and, and be like, yeah, I'm using my gifts that God has given me. Um, and then we started praying about it. And as somebody asked us to, and it was like, man, that prayer that we, and we like kind of haphazardly approached God about it. Like, Hey, you know, that night Carrie and I prayed when we, we were approached on a Friday, Friday night, we prayed and Saturday we were looking at houses in Oak park cause we were moving this way. And, uh, sure enough in that prayer, we felt like the Lord saying to us, I've not called you to this community anymore. 
and that was hard, you know? And so transitions, I think we navigate transitions weighing things, right? Like we're weighing costs. Is our family ready for this or things like this? And for Carrie and I, the thing that we weighed most was at the, at the end of the day, and, and there a little bit of this is unhealthy, and I have wrestled with that. It's like, at the end of the day, I do believe I'm going to look at God and he's going to ask me, did you trust me? Did you trust me with everything? And I want to be able to respond, yeah, I trusted you. And so this was a moment that we could lay our faith and our kind of money on the line and say, we trust you. Um, and we don't want to do this. This isn't something we're pursuing, but we do trust you. And so um, pretty transparent with our kids in the transition. When we first even started entertaining this idea and put my name in the hat, we told them, this is, we're, we're going to trust God with this one and see where it goes. Um, we tell stories in our family. I've already referenced that. And one of the stories we tell is I was a volleyball coach at Riverside Brookfield for seven years. I was the Volunteer? head. No, 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 not in oh, Illinois. Illinois has got crazy. money. They just act like they don't. Um, <laughs> that's not true. We're bankrupt. We know that. Um, the, I was the head JV coach at Riverside Brookfield for seven years. And Ava was celebrating her first birthday and it was right after the season. So like, her birthday immediately following the volleyball season. We're back home in Ohio. We're with our family. We're all gathered there. Big party for her. It's her first party. And we're singing happy. This is a true story. It's hilarious. We're singing happy birthday to her. And as we're singing happy birthday to her, I feel like I, I, in my soul, I feel God say to me, you just missed the first year of her life. And we get done singing happy birthday and I look at Carrie in the eyes and I said, I'm done coaching. And she's like, cut the cake. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, she wasn't in my head. She had yeah. no idea what I was talking about. And then like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Cut the cake, cut the, you know, so I cut the cake. And then like half hour later, she comes over. She's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm done coaching. And told her about what I felt like the Lord was saying to me in the midst of singing happy birthday. So I walk outside, call the head varsity coach and resigned right then. Like it was clear as day. That's what I needed to do. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I loved coaching, mm -hmm. but I got one shot to be a dad. I want to be the best dad I can. I can coach anytime I want. Um, we tell that story in our family all the time. So then when we approach our kids about doing this, you know, putting my name in the hat for this job, Ethan says to me, well, did God tell you to do this? And I said, I don't know, bud. Why do you say that? And he goes, well, you know, stopped coaching volleyball. That was a good decision. So if God's telling you to do it, don't you think you should do it? Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, you're right. And you know, and that's just a way of like yeah. storytelling, how storytelling yeah, yeah. has impacted our family. Yeah. Um, so that, that's all of the transition. Then uh, I don't know that this is a longer response to your longer question, yeah. um, but all of the transition. It is. What we, <laughs> thanks. What we <laughs> weighed in the midst of that was stewardship. And then really, do we trust the Lord with this? Yeah. So. Caroline, did I hit them all? Yeah, there. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so totally. Maybe not. No, it made me think, and feel free to pass or stiff arm it if it's a tangent, but it made me think the examples you're giving are often you feel like God's prompting you to do something you don't want to do, and so it's pretty clear to know mm. the difference between your own voice and God's voice. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a decision where... <laughs> um, you're trying to figure, like, you know what you want to do and you're trying to discern if it's what you want to do or if God, what God wants you to do? 
Yeah, I would say that that was this case. Like we felt like the Lord was telling us to put our name in the hat, but all along we even told the people interviewing us, if you offered us this, we're not sure we would take it because we were very clear that we wanted to stay here. And there was no confusion in that, but we couldn't really tell if this is what the Lord was asking us to do. And so ultimately, this is a conversation with my dad. It was great. But ultimately, my dad said, listen, I think you go through with the interview process for as long as it goes. And you trust that if you're the person that they call and say, we want to offer you this position, that that's what the the Lord's offering you. But he wouldn't have led you to apply for this and have all this happen if Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. You know, in the other, I I referenced two other instances that um, I was approached about different positions and neither one of those did we feel any. One was within Young Life, one was outside of Young Life. And we felt no, we prayed about it. We were faithful and praying about it. We felt no desire you know, or or stirring of the Lord to pursue those things. This was the first time that we felt like the Lord stirring saying, this is, you got to pursue this. And so there was this like, um, matter of fact, I ended up going to the, to the doctor for it, but it was, I mean, you're, you guys are on the pastoral staff. You've seen the prayer list, but it, it was probably four or five months that I wasn't sleeping because there was such kind of tornness in our souls of like, this isn't something we want. Mm -hmm. And we're not sure if this is what the Lord wants or not, because there wasn't clarity. The interviews were, there was four interviews and they were spaced out by three weeks each. So it was just kind of this, you know, what's going on, what's happening. So, um, in the end it was made clear Mm. and it was, it's easier to trust and follow when things are clear. Right. Right. Totally. Uh, But if it's unclear, that's when you're up late at night and you go see your doctor and your doctor's like, yeah, you're stressed out. Okay. Yeah, when we, um, when Christine and I left Michigan to come for me back to the Chicagoland area, we were, our end destination was somewhere else, but Chicago was just a place to get a grad degree and then go to that next place. Um, we never ended up going to that place. Yep. So we had a church in Hawaii, <laughs> so weird as it sounds, that was like, waiting for us to get my grad degree and was basically there was like an older pastor yeah. there that was like ready to like hand it over which at the time it's crazy to think back to now but um so that was actually our plan was to to leave the current church we were at um come back to chicago instead of doing a distant grad degree like in person at wheaton finish there go on to hawaii um and um we obviously never made it to hawaii and I, I feel like we were content enough in our current situation that it wouldn't have been enough to say, like, go back to Chicago to get your grad degree because I'm going to have you work at College Church in Calvary. I probably wouldn't have left. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? that's right. Yeah. Like, but, like, this Hawaii thing always had been on my – because I'd lived there for a summer in college. I went back there a second time, and so – I really genuinely had a community there that I was like meaningfully like eager to go minister with and if John asks you one too many questions during a day, do you ever think, oh, in an alternate timeline, I could be in Hawaii right now? <laughs> Say that again? I missed the last part. <laughs> I could be in Hawaii in again. Oh, yeah. Timeline, <laughs> I could be in Hawaii. Yeah, that's right. If your answers are too long, it makes me think about Hawaii. And yeah. so I think like just that like this sense of like some like God used a different destination to get us willing to go to where he wanted us. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think that that was, oh, you know. Yeah. I had a, 
I had a friend of mine who referenced something similar. When we were going through this process, it was simultaneously, the same time we were going through this process, we were looking to move right here to Oak Park, right? Now, I mm. talk about staying in one community. Oak Park's really been our, it's where our church has been. It's where all of yeah. our friends, it's, this is our community, right? And we go to the field school, which is here. Um, somebody said to me, sometimes um, God will loosen up your roots, so that he can plant you somewhere else first yeah. where, where you think like, Oh yeah, yeah. we're just like, we're loosening up the roots to go over here. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no I loosen oh, up those roots. I, I get, I got you out of that pot for all this way over here and you yeah. didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is true. And I think coming to Calvary, we said no initially and then we we're asked again and we ended up saying yes through what felt like just clear things that all of a sudden just changed our like Calvary, like Oak Park Calvary was, where to go. Yeah. But it was like, we weren't looking for it. That's right. Know. Yeah. And then it's like, even here at Calvary, we've had, you know, consistently situations that have been brought to me that are like, Hey, would you consider this? And it's like, I've like, so consistent, consistently been able to say like, no, like, I mean, I, if you want to talk, we can talk, but I, like, I, I can feel, I feel like a genuine, like freedom of like, it's going to have to be God, like, That's doing right. something That's so right. clear. Yep. Because I just feel, like, when they tech me, I can feel, like, interested. Like, anyone, anyone that has any kind of leadership gifting can look at a situation and be like, oh, that would be fun to help that. It's interesting, yeah. Yes, it's yes. interesting. But, like, zero sense of, like, reality. The best thing I can, like, the best term I can add to the, those transitions for us is, like, the term of reality. Like, it mm -hmm. just didn't feel like a reality. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, all of a sudden, like, leaving our church in Michigan became a, like a felt like this is really happening, you know? Yep. And then like when it came to col college church to come to Calvary, I was like, we felt like we were in on this like snowball that was just rolling and it's like, it's happening. And yeah. we just like didn't know how to stop it. And we were gone. And like at Calvary, like every time something has come up, like, Hey, would you consider this or this? It's like, I don't even feel like it's snowing outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, it's not even snowing. So we yeah. can't even make a snowball to roll down yeah. the hill. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's kind of weird how. Well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that at, I wouldn't say that that's, ab I don't think that's specific to ministry. Like, I think right. that's, I think that's the job world in general, yes, right? Like, right. I think there's some, some jobs or some personalities where you get in and it's like up or out, right? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to get to the top or I'm leaving. Sure, sure, sure. And um, for us, I mean, remove the ministry from it. We had clarity on our allegiance to God. We knew that to be the first thing that kind of the first big rock, so to speak. Um, and then clarity on our calling as a family to, to, and so as we're talking about transition or new jobs or kind of being in this momentum of like, I'm, I'm involved in this company and it just seems like I'm going to be moving to whatever, you know, name it next city where our company is trying to open up an office. It's like, does that fit into the clarity that you have in your life? Because I'm sure the way jobs and companies work, like there's always going to be a next step that you could pursue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But does that align with the clarity that you have of who you are as a family, who God has called you to be like, whatever those are. And those are things I don't think we consider much. Like, I think we consider, is this beneficial? Will I be able to make more money or will my, you know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of what's in it for me, which I like, that's natural. I don't think anything is, you know, inherently wrong with thinking about yourself in the midst of that. But I do think there is a sense of like, if you don't have your priorities right, you're going to pursue things that are not 
where God would have you, you know? It's well, like, and it's like becoming geez, like a, yeah. it's, it's sounding more and more cheesy in my mind, but becoming more and more helpful <laughs> at the same time. Like this idea that like God was like, when we did transition, like it really like God was like, it was starting to snow. God is like putting a snowball together and was like starting to roll it down a hill and it was just happening. Yeah. Right. Like, and it was just like, all of a sudden you realized you were like in this thing that was heading somewhere yep. and you would resist it at times because it was hard. And then at some point you just kind of let yourself go and, and, and followed the path. And there's some freedom in that. Yes. And then there's times where like, like right now it just feels like it's perpetually summer and I don't feel anything yeah. building <laughs> or moving anywhere else other than like where we are at. Cause we feel so like focused here. And so that just has been like, cause I feel like at some point you have to like feel there's going to be objective reasons, but then also subjective reasons of just like God's doing something. Mm -hmm. and I, what, no matter what job you're doing, right? Like you said, like no matter what job, like God's starting to like move the chess pieces around that's right. in a way that's going to make me have to make this next move. And that like feels so vivid in my mind now as mm -hmm. we're talking about it in my two, I guess, bigger transitions from Michigan back to Chicago area and then from college church to Calvary. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think and I mean, I'm sure that's what you were feeling. Like God is starting to move these pieces around mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like, I know I'm the next move. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I would even say with, um, passions, mm. right? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the older and more experienced and, and just kind of in it that I became, yeah. the more I became passionate about doing some of these things that only a person in my position within Young Life can do now. Mm. Hey, let's challenge some financial structures. Mm. Let's figure out ways that we're developing in black and brown communities. What are we doing here? You know, let's, let's really put some effort into yeah. this. And um, for, for us in this transition, one of the main questions that we talked through with John, my former boss, was, um, is God calling us to, this was super interesting, is God calling us to hyper-focused geography, Chicago. Interesting. Broad ministry, uh, Southpaw, the church, whatever. Some, some kind of like life kind of community, you know, engagement from, from cradle to grave kind of ministry. Or was it broad geography, raceway region, Indiana, Kentucky, hyper-focused ministry, young life. Mm. And mm. it did feel like in the midst of, like of those two, if those two were on the table, um, my, my calling and gift sets and experiences and privileges could be used more if I was in the raceway region than if I was here. And that was, that was an interesting conversation mm -hmm. for us to like process that of yeah. like, are we being called to a hyper-focused geography and a broad ministry experience or broad geography, hyper-focused yeah, ministry. And um, for us, there was clarity around that as well. I was really, really thankful for John in the midst of that to, I called him, a hundred times probably to process this and, and kind of move through this. Cause he went through this same experience five years ago. Yeah. So he was in Indianapolis was the associate regional director. Same role yes, I was moved to Chicago. That's yep. Right, and yeah. he moved to Chicago to be the oh, regional director. Yeah, yeah. So he had done that already. Yeah. And that's when he asked he me made to be the right. Like direction. Yeah, he moved he in the right Chicago. direction. Yeah, I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but but you want to talk about even more challenging. John lived yeah. next door to his brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah. And 
Mm. You know, and it was like, oh, the deep community that he had there. And they were involved. He and Annie were involved at the Oaks Academy, which is this amazing, you know, it's kind of what helped launch the field school. It's like Mm. for him to walk away from that, to come here, complete unknown, Mm. you know. And he stepped into that. So I, I referred to him a yeah, ton awesome. to say like, yeah, how did you process? What were these things? And so that's like maybe, and I know we're getting, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, but I, I'm thinking, um, what were some of the most helpful conversations or people in making, I mean, at some point you had to like, you and Carrie had to sit up late at night and had to like say, we are moving. I mean, that's like a big, like, and sometimes it feels like you're, you know, so much is going in that direction that some, maybe it's an easy decision at, at some point because you've, it feels like God's moving so clearly somewhere. But at some point you had to be like, this is what we're doing. What were the most helpful people and why, or like even just specific conversations to help you discern that? decision. Yeah. I've mentioned two of them. The one with my dad where where he had said, listen, I don't think God called you to put your name in the hat to like pull it out quickly. You know, like stay in it. Just see where it goes. I love that because I feel like I've had like similar things where it's like someone just gives you some, like some of the most like simple pragmatic wisdom. <laughs> like, well, and kind oh, of just sift through that. all of it, right? Yeah, yeah. To be like, hold on, just think through that for yeah, a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you like, think oh, he put, yeah, right? That's not. That's you think not he like, called you to put your name in the hat just to <laughs> yeah, pull it out? It was like, huh? I love that kind of stuff. Man. I guess you're right, Dad. Yeah, that is <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, super helpful conversation. Oh, um, you know, the encouragement to pursue this in the beginning was with John, my former boss. So he's the one who initially called me and said. This job's available. I think, you know, I think you'd be really good at this. People in Young Life need leadership that you have. And I, I fought this. One of the reasons I fought this position was um, I think the, the senior leadership positions in Young Life are, this is a reality and, and a criticism at the same time. It's majority white men. Mm. And I said, John, those positions we need to step out of the way. I don't need to take somebody's seat at the table. I can keep doing what I'm doing here and we're doing great and we're vibing and we're rolling. And, um, and so he and I had this great conversation where he said, I agree with you there, that, you know, that we need to make seats at the table for a more diverse leadership, senior leadership. Um, but the next best, best thing would be a person that thinks like the way you do is the person who's saying, I shouldn't be at this table. We need to bring others to the table. And that was helpful for me because I felt, um, and maybe in ways that is, was unhealthy, I felt shame or guilt. Maybe that's what it is. I felt yeah. guilt as, as like, yep, here's another white, white male jumping into senior leadership in some parachurch organization, which is pretty historical, right? Um, and... So that conversation with John was freeing the, the hyper geography, I'm sorry, specific geography, broad uh, ministry focus was a, a meaningful conversation. And then really it was with Carrie, right? Like the conversations with Carrie were the ones that were the yep. most, um, well, actually, I mean, we weren't having this conversation if Carrie was like, nope, like, you know, and, and um, so when her and I first started praying about it that weekend, we went and looked at houses in Oak Park. We both felt the same thing. And that Sunday night, we, we looked at each other and kind of knew like, shoot, Mm -hmm. we're putting our names in, you know? And it was like, 
okay, do we trust this? Like, yeah. um, and then th- this is, this will seem somewhat strange and this is maybe a little bit to Christine's. I called a colleague of mine. Uh, her name is Sarah and she works on the North shore, uh, up in Evanston, Nutria area, Glenbrook area. Um, Sarah moved around a ton as a kid and I had tons of fear about moving our kids <laughs> and her dad is a college football coach and moved her like every, you know, whatever. Mm. And so I called her and I just said, listen, this is what's going on. <laughs> don't tell awesome. anybody about that. I was like, yeah. don't tell anybody about this person to talk to, man. But yeah. I just said, what, it, what was it like to move? Yeah. And she actually, she gave me so much hope because she was like, Jonathan, actually it was foundational in my faith. I can look back on all the stops and really see how my faith grew in those stops, she's like, so I don't think you should fear it in, in the ways that I think we mm. were fearing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. We were fearing this That's kind of great. like, we're going to move. Our kids are going to fall apart. We're yeah. going to be a wreck. And she, again, <laughs> told a different story. She's like, actually, you, it was good for me to move. And I learned to yeah, and withstand those change. Yeah. So, well, and that's maybe the last thing I'd say is with, with our kids that we've told them is um, change is constant. It just is. Things change all the time. Even if you stay in the same spot, you're not the same person you were a year ago. Oh, totally. You're always changing. So to kind of just think that we're going to kind of batten down the hatches and never change, it's not realistic. And so uh, we, we said to our kids, like, this is a chance for us to grow in our ability to change, which ultimately will benefit us in our lives. Mm -hmm. If we can't change, if we can't adapt and, and learn to, you know, new situations, we're in trouble. This is a chance for us to learn how to do that. So I see so much intentional conversation with your kids. And I, what I love about it is it's not like mom and dad know that we need to do this. So we're all just going to like suck it up. It's like the opposite, like your, your vulnerability in that, in those moments of uncertainty and then like inviting them along for that, like we're going to trust him together. is so beautiful. Are they, What's the morale like right now? I mean, you're four days out. What are yeah. your kids' Yeah, well, it was difficult. So, so <laughs> my world, I mean, quite literally changed in 12 days. Like, I found out November 17th that I was offered this position and started November 29th. So, December, or I'm sorry, November 30th, December 1st, whatever. And, like, so my world just flipped. Like there was very little closure with work. Like I still am like kind of grieving losses of relationships around the Chicagoland area. Um, for our kids, there was really in for Carrie, there was no transition up until we moved out of our house May 30th. And that was like, we gave space for them to grieve. My upbringing was we just never, we still don't talk about emotions. It's just kind of like, just what's the point of talking about? It? You just go. And it's to that blue collar attitude, right? Like, you just don't really pay attention. You just keep keep going keep going forward. Don't 100%. don't pay attention to anything, right? That's like Midwest blue collar. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so we allowed okay. our kids to grieve it. And and so we when we were moving out of our house, that was the first moment where it was like, Oh, this is real. Like mm. this is a thing that's happening. Um, we let our kids, like we walked around each room and we talked openly about like, what are we sad to be leaving? And then what are we excited? Like, what did we, but we were really in this, I don't think we did a ton of things. I always criticize my parenting, not Carrie, she's a saint, but, um, we've, we've managed this transition, I think pretty well by being transparent with our kids. And one thing we didn't kind of dangle in front of them was like, you're going to get your own bedroom or 
we're going to go on more vacations, which we probably won't go on more vacations. But it was like, we weren't trying to sell them some version of the American dream that was like, see, we're moving. Isn't this going to be great? It was like, no, we're going to move because we trust the Lord. So now we, we grieved the emotional loss of our house as we transitioned into a rental home. Um, and then they ended school last week. And that was the next kind of step mm -hmm. that felt, you know, and then church. And I think, you know, last, so they ended school on Friday and then church on Sunday. It was just like all of that was kind of these lasts, mm -hmm. you know, kind of transitional things that have happened. That's so, um, but it's, it's modeled for them. It's, let's say that again. It's modeled for them. You're modeling that for them. Like yeah, we're trying to. Yeah, I think so. But we've allowed them to feel it, but we don't want, sometimes if you spend too long in your emotions, it's just kind of like a spiral, right? Yeah. And so we allow them to do it, but we're not going to stay there forever, but we will let ourselves be grieved in this moment and be sad over these things. But yeah. um, so I, I would say now the morale at home um, is somber. I think we're still in kind of that in-between state. And I think that's fair. And I'm okay with that. I'm not rushing us through that, but certainly once we move and, um, kind of get acclimated to Indianapolis, we do want to start to have some excitement and some joy and, um, look forward to what's ahead. Cause we don't need to grieve this whole thing. Yeah. Like, I think there's yeah. like a, a skill in like the ability to allow your kids to share what they're thinking and feeling and, the joys or frustrations in some some major transition like this without feeling like they're actually like driving the car. That's right. right. Where it's That's almost right. like, That's right. well, we won't do this if you don't want to. Where That's like right. it puts a burden on them that they can't bear. That's right. You know, That's a really, so course, I, I didn't think of that. Of course, yeah. they're just going to then internally just do what they want to do, but is that really what's best for the family? So it's like how to navigate that, I think, in a way that like, doesn't like we're not asking you to make this decision like your mom and I are going to make this decision together um, but like you're really important in the process and we have to walk through this whole thing and so because I think sometimes you can put it all on the kids as if it's like well we didn't move because you didn't want to and, that's right and now that's on them but like still like you you know yeah. you've said that they have voice in it that they can communicate that you know um, because you they can say this is why I don't want to move and you could say that's a fair reason to not want to move. And so let, we're going to move, but let's walk through that. Why yes. You, why, you, why that's yes. going to be painful for you and hurtful for yeah, you. Yeah, and what do we need to do to yes, support you in the midst of that? To support you in the midst yeah. of something that you don't, yeah. Yep, and so we're not going to expect you to be smiles and sunshine. No, it's right. like, yeah, you're yeah. going you're gonna to be sad, and that's okay. You can be yeah. sad today, and you can have some moments, but yeah. um, no, that's really good. I didn't even think about the kind of the weight that you that – sometimes transitions could put on a kid or even the like internalized weight that you might be putting on, you know, like, Oh, we can't move because of the kids. So then in your head, you, it's like, that's kind of a, not a cop out, but it is like a little bit like, well, no, make the decision. It's putting not fair to your kids. Your that's kid not their decision. You're not willing to. Yeah, bear. that's right. That's right. That's yeah. Not right. Yeah. And as a parent, it's like, yeah. you need to make those decisions. Yeah. But they have to like, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to what you said, Caroline, with you bringing that up, it's like, so important that they feel heard in that process. And so, yeah. So that's our morale. <laughs> we'll be good. Well, I, I do think, um, I've said this enough, but we mourn the process. We're grieving the loss. Um, and at the same time as again, trying to hold two emotions at once, we're excited for what's to come. We're trusting that the Lord has something for us. Uh, we'll see what it is when we get there. Jonathan, this has been a great conversation. Thanks man.
Thank you so much for yes. taking time out of your busy transitioning schedule. <laughs> yeah, we're like, remember how you yeah. were on Saturday? Can you like <laughs> can you do a podcast and and in real quick? <laughs> yeah. Actually, this week I'm not traveling at all, so I'm around. Yeah. So this was fun. So thanks, yeah. Caroline. Well, thanks, yeah. Thank you again. And um, for those of you listening in, uh, I, I, I trust that there are so many points throughout this conversation that will be helpful and beneficial for you. And, and you know, probably one thing will connect with you and and maybe the rest won't, and that's often the way it is in sermons and that's conversations right. and whatever, like something comes up and like that, you know, the specific thing you're struggling through is, is being addressed. And so Calvary family and those uh, otherwise listening in, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for listening in and until next time. Goodbye.